0: this morning is from Romans 13, verses 8 to 14, on page 1138 of the Bible. Romans 13, commencing at verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other commands there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Thanks be to God. Merry Christmas.
1: Uh, Keep that passage open. I think maybe those are on. Keep that passage open and we'll have a look at it. Let me pray. Uh, Lord, I just ask that you would speak to us this morning. I thank you for this opportunity to gather as your church. Uh, Inspire us for what it means uh, to live for you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've always loved uh, being a part of something bigger than myself. Uh, As a kid, I played soccer and I loved being a part of a team. Uh, As I got older, I joined a rock band, and I loved making music with my friends and thinking we were all cool together. Uh, As I got even older and worked in cafes, I just loved being a part of a team doing a job together. Maybe you have had that feeling in your workplace. Um, But I just loved being a part of a brand, a bigger story than me, something going on that was bigger than myself. I loved that, and I suspect that's true for most of us. Um, I know that because it's one of the reasons we all watch the cricket. Because we're there for Australia, you know? We're there for Australia, aren't we? 141 more runs today. Come on. We're there for Australia. Um, But I think this is one of the reasons, because I love being a part of things bigger than myself, this is one of the reasons I have what I uh, like to call post-Christmas depression every year. It's because Christmas seems to hold out this enormous hope, this big story, this big narrative for our whole world. And yet come the 26th of December, uh, the only impact it's had on my life is that I've gained a few kilos that I need to lose uh, and my bank account's a little bit less than what it was prior to Christmas. Christmas holds out this massive story, peace on earth, goodwill to men, the story of God with us, the hope of a new world, The arrival of this long-expected forever king. Uh, And yet the day just comes and goes. And by New Year's Eve, maybe even by now, the busyness of life has already caught up with you and Christmas is forgotten about. I don't think the issue, though, is with Christmas. I happen to believe, and I'm sure there's people in the room who do as well, that the promises of Christmas are true. They're real. Uh, the, The big story of Christmas is true and it's happening, but I think the problem's somewhere inside me. I don't let myself get wrapped up in Christmas. I don't let Christmas and the story of Christmas become the overriding narrative of my life. See, we let Christmas play a small part in the story of our big lives when really the big story of uh, when really our lives should play their small part in the big story of christmas we let christmas play a small part in the big story of our lives when really our lives should play their small part in the big story of christmas i want something bigger to live for and i think christmas holds the answer in the definitive uh, christmas film love actually the ineffable Hugh Grant um, stars in it. And Daisy has some exciting news for her mother in the movie. And Karen, her mother, says to Daisy, So what's the big news? And Daisy says, very excitedly, and I won't be an excited 11 year old girl right now, uh, she says, We've been given our parts in the Christmas play. And I'm the lobster. <laughs> Karen says, The lobster? Yeah, in the nativity play. Yeah, first lobster. There was more than one lobster present at the birth of Jesus. Duh. I want to help you find your part to play in the story of Christmas. And the way we're going to do that this morning is by looking at this passage in Romans that Angela read out to us. Because the passage talks about what our role to play is, what our part to play is. It talks about why you need to play a part in the big narrative of Christmas, the story of Christmas. And it talks about how to play your part as well. So firstly, what your part to play is. The story of Christmas is a love story. The story of Christmas is a love story, not a soppy, romantic love story, but a strong, committed love story of love for the unlovable. And so since you're a part of this, the greatest love story ever told, your part to play in that story is to love as well. The defining characteristic of the Christian, someone who's a part of the Christmas story, is to love. And Paul defines what love looks like uh, in this passage. He says three things about love. The first is love is unending. Love is unending. He says, We are to have love for one another that is unending. We're never to stop loving others. In verse 8, Paul says, It's like we've got a debt for one another, and that debt is impossible to pay off. But you've got to just keep loving one another. That means you're never done loving someone. It's a recipe for a disaster in a friendship or in a relationship when one party says, or thinks, I've done all the loving I need to. There's nothing more for me to give in the way of love in this relationship. I'll wait until I'm indebted again until I love. That relationship won't go well because that is not love. Love is unending. And the Christmas story is a story of unending love Uh, Because God gave us Jesus, uh, not just as a one-off, but Jesus is our forever king. That means we will have him for eternity. That's a love that keeps on going. Secondly, uh, Paul defines love as unimprovable. There's no higher moral code or there's no better compass for life. There's no higher standard, no higher calling than to love. Love is unimprovable. To love, that is an unimprovable moral code. I remember um, a friend of mine's dad once saying to me, I must have been 16 or 17 at the time, he said, if, if, if everybody just was a nice person to one another, the world would be a better place. And I remember thinking, oh, that's kind of half true. There's something right about that, but it doesn't go far enough for me. Because... Nice is not nearly enough because nice doesn't have to be sincere. And nice doesn't have to be on the front foot. Nice doesn't have to take an action. And our world needs people who will take action on behalf of others, who will do something. Somebody once said, whatever else love is, it is not passive. Whatever else love is, it is not passive. We need love. And there's no higher moral compass than that. Paul talks about love fulfilling the the law. Um, And the law is God's law. It's what God likes because it's what God does. And there's nothing higher than to love because when you love, you are like God. That is what you are when you are loving. You are like God. The Christmas story as well shows us that love is unimprovable. God, the Bible says, in love, gave the world himself. He gave us his son, Jesus. There is no higher measure than that. And so love shows this unimprovable love. Christmas shows this unimprovable love. Thirdly, Paul describes love as unlimited Love is unending, love is unimprovable, love is also unlimited. You know, there are an infinite number of ways in which you can love someone. The only boundary Paul puts around it in verse 10 is that love does no harm to its neighbour. In other words, there are, there are an infinite amount of ways that you can do no harm to your neighbour and that you can love them, an infinite Amount of ways. Love is simple. It only requires yourself and somebody else. But love is infinite. You can be creative. You can be yourself. You can be intuitive, imaginative, innovative. There are many books on love. But there's no exhaustive list on how you can love. Love is limitless. It's unlimited. And I think Paul talking about love in this way is really helpful Because it makes loving possible. Whoever you are, and whatever situation you're in, and there are some difficult situations, whoever your neighbour is, whoever the other is, it's doable. Love is unending. There's always an opportunity to love. Love is unimprovable. The best response you can have in any situation is to love. And love is unlimited. Nothing can stop you from loving. There's always a way that you can love. So love is your part to play. Uh, Augustine famously quipped, love and do as you please. Love and do as you please. That's the Christian life. Love and do as you please. That's what your part looks like. But why? Why would you love? Why would you love? So your part to play is to love, but why would you love? What's the point in loving today? And the answer is, it's consistent with the future that is coming. It's consistent with the future that is coming. Paul's answer in verse 11, uh, he says, And do this, love, love one another, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day's almost here. That's the day of salvation. The day is almost here. Uh, I've been saying the last couple of weeks Christmas Day is a time to remember the promised coming of God to us in Jesus. But it's also a time that we remember that Jesus said he would come again, that he promised to come again. That's the day that Paul's talking about here. And that day is coming. That's the, the narrative that our world is on. That's the, where history is headed. There is one day when Jesus will return and he will renew our world at that time. And if you trust that that day is coming, if you believe that that day is coming, then you act as if it's coming as well. I remember as a kid... I was really excited about soccer and playing soccer every Saturday morning, that I would get all my clothes ready uh, the night before. Did you ever do that? I'd put my boots there, I'd put my socks in front of my boots, because you need to put your socks on before your boots, and then I'd have my shorts there and my shirt there, and it'd all be laid out, and I'd go to bed early, and then before even dawn, I'd get up, I'd put the socks on, I'd put the boots on, I'd put my shorts on, I'd put my shirt on. I got some of the order wrong there, I'm sure. I'm sure. But I was, I was ready for that day to come because I was so excited about it. I was living in expectation that soccer was coming. Uh, but this is a little bit more serious than soccer. Paul says it's the day of our salvation. I want you to imagine for a moment that you are a lost explorer. You're in a desert and you've been lost for a week or more. Things are getting serious. You're trapped in a ravine and you can't get out The way that you've taken to get there has been treacherous and dangerous and you're injured. It's impossible for you to help yourself. But a message comes through. And the message is, we know where you are. We're coming to save you. We'll be there tomorrow. What do you do in that moment? What do you do there and then? I'll tell you what you don't do. You don't turn around and go back down a path that nearly killed you. You wait where you are. And you don't get distracted. You stay focused. And in the morning, you don't sleep in on that day. You make yourself, you get get up, you make yourself as visible as possible. You get ready for your rescue, to be lifted out, to be saved. That's the effect on our life that this day of salvation should have now. We should be living as if it's coming up and ready and about. I want you to listen to the, the Message Bible's paraphrase of these few verses. It says, But make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-to-day obligations that you lose track of time and doze off, oblivious to God. The night is about over. The dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work He began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. Must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence, in sleeping around and dissipation, in bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed, get dressed. Don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute. Why do we play a part now? It's because it's consistent with the day that's coming. Thirdly, how do we play this part? What do we actually do? How do we love like God? And how do we live like the days at hand? Well, Paul uses a phrase twice in these, uh, from verse 11 to 14. He says, put on. And the first time he says, put on armour. Put on the armour of light. The second time he says, put on Christ. The first is armour. Put on armour. AMA, um, it's a foreign term to us, I think, but it reminds us that since we're currently living in the nighttime, yet we're living as children of the light, there's going to be a fight. Since we're living in the night and we're children of light, there's going to be a fight. This is going to be hard. The clothing that you're going to need is military issue. Nothing else will do. There's a war you're up against. You have enemies on almost every front. And so you need to protect yourself. You need to put on armor. And there are multiple passages, as you know, in the New Testament that talk about putting on this armor. And it describes them. In Ephesians, Paul talks about it being truth and right living and peace. Second Peter, I love how he puts it. He says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance. And in Colossians, Paul writes, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. This is the clothing, this is how you do love. The armor of God are godly characteristics that you can put on each and every day in order to play your part. I want you to think about uh, this for a moment in terms of finding some new clothes for yourself. Um, Every year, I do this once a year with my wife. We go to Perth and I've got a week or two to buy some new clothes. This is one of my favourite shirts that I bought maybe two years ago in Perth together. Um, And what do you do when you go to buy new clothes? The first thing you do is you figure out what things doesn't my wardrobe have? What things do I need? In this case, it was a new work shirt. It was a shirt for work. Um, And asking some friends, a spouse will do it for free, asking some friends, someone you trust, what you need to add to your wardrobe is a good idea. And the question might go something like this. What godly traits do I need more of in my life? Or can I do better in in my life? What godly traits do I need? What do I need in my wardrobe? Like I said, a spouse will do it for free. So will a trusted friend. If you ask them, you'll be surprised how ready they are with an answer. (laughs) By the way, if somebody asks you what godly traits they need to add to their wardrobe, the first thing you do is honour their humility. That's the first thing you do. The second thing you might do, apart from thinking about what your wardrobe needs next, is to try it on. To go to a shop and try it on. Try on patience. Try on kindness. Try on forgiveness. Maybe you've never tried it before. Just try it on. See how it goes. See how it fits. And start small. You know, it's, it's hard to forgive really hard people to forgive. But there might be a situation, just a small thing, where you think, I don't really need to forgive that person, but I might. It might seem silly, but I'll try it. I'll try it on small. You can't run a marathon before you've done 20 kilometres. You can't do 20 before you've done 10 and 5 and 1. So just start small, maybe in small areas of your life. Put these things on. And the last thing you would do is you would, when you're trying on your clothes, is you'd tell your friends about it. You'd say, hey, I, I tried these clothes on. Uh, I tried out this store. And the benefit of doing that is that your friends might think they might be inspired to try the same clothes on as well. They might be inspired to put the same brand on themselves. And that would be a really helpful thing if more of us tried out compassion and patience and kindness and self-control So that's the first one. Paul says, put on the armour of God. The second thing he says to put on is the Lord Jesus Christ. He says to put on a person, to put on Jesus. Some really, uh, a really helpful counselling technique when trying to help someone um, change their behaviour is to ask them, "Who, who do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? Imagine that person. And what are they like? You know, What are their values? And then you think about the particular situation where you want to change your behavior and you go, how would the person that you want to be, how would they act in that moment? The person you see yourself being, how, how would they act in that moment? And you think about it, you talk about it, you weigh up the pros and the cons and then slowly over time, you put that person into practice and you become that person. That's kind of what Paul is saying here, by saying, put on Christ. He's saying, this is who you want to become, and so start acting like it. Just last week, I was talking to um, some old, older friends of mine, and they were telling me about my grandfather. My grandfather passed away when I was four or fo- uh, five or six years old. I didn't really know him, um, but they were telling me a few things about him. He liked gardening. That's about all, I think. Um... And it doesn't really run in the family. But they also mentioned some of his personality, or his character traits. They said, you know, he was one of the patient men we ever knew. He was kind and caring and compassionate. Um, and As I was there listening, I was like, yeah, I want to be like that. I don't, I don't want to be him, but I want to be like that. It's, it's interesting to me that, that Paul, in other places in the Bible, he says, follow your leaders, Or he says, follow me, Paul, as I follow Christ. But in this place, he says, put on Jesus. And I think he says that because he wants to remind us that our part to play is nothing less than being Jesus in our world today. Our part to play is nothing less than being Jesus in our world today. That's what it means to be a part of something bigger than yourself. The love that we can share in this unending, unlimited, unimprovable love, that's bigger than you or me. The day that is coming for our world, the day of salvation, that's bigger than me or you. Putting on Jesus, being Jesus to our world today, that's big. This is the biggest story, Christmas Is the biggest story for our world and you know what you're invited to play a part in it even today so why don't I pray that God would help us to do that let's pray Heavenly Father help us to play our part help us to join the Christmas story by putting on Christ Help us to act like him, to be like him, and to live a life of unending, unlimited, and unimprovable love because the day of salvation is nearly here. Amen.